You're listening to the official South Bay Church podcast. For more about us, please visit southbaychurch.us. Welcome, and uh, uh, Steve and Jackie are out of town. They uh, have gone to uh, be with uh, a gathering, kind of an annual gathering, or every other year now, a gathering of a lot of the leaders from our churches. If you're visiting with us, uh, we're <clears throat> grateful that you're here, and um, our church, South Bay Church, is part of a fellowship of churches all around the world, uh, 600 plus churches. We're known as the International Churches of Christ. And so uh, every couple years, the leaders, uh, kind of core leadership of those churches gathers to pray and to uh, figure out the future and planting new churches and how are we going to win the world for Jesus and all that kind of stuff. So Steve and Jackie have left to go be a part of that gathering. And if you could be praying for that, and uh, we'll, we'll pray here in a second as we open the scriptures. Uh, but it's an important time, you know, when, as we're reading the book of Acts with this series that we're doing. Uh, you know, you see how important it is that we call on God and that we devote ourselves to prayer. But um, uh, we, as, as I mentioned, uh, here, there's how they get the Wi-Fi. A couple of kids were asking me earlier. I'm sure they wanted to take notes, uh, and that's why they're asking. So that's how you do it. Uh, you get the Wi-Fi right there, um, uh, and you can follow along. Uh, there's just like, three points we're going to talk about today. Uh, we're continuing our series called Spirit-Filled People. We started this last week looking at Acts 1. Today we're going to be looking at Acts chapter 2, and um, yeah, I'm going to say a prayer. We'll just kind of dig right into it. I'm going to mention something I forgot to mention last week, but uh, let's pray uh, for the, the gathering that's happening uh, over the next week, and uh, let's pray as we open the scriptures. Bow with me if you would. God, thank you to be able to open your word. Uh, what a uh, sacred and holy and amazing thing it is to be able to hear from you through human language and in human history and in the voices of those who wrote these different texts, but, but it was your spirit speaking nonetheless and you communicating to your creation. Uh, thank you for the way that you've ultimately spoken to us through Jesus and how, as we're reading um, in Acts, we're reading from eyewitnesses to his resurrection and uh, to the truth of who he, that he was who he claimed to be. And as we're gathered here in, in his name, just uh, in the same way that they gathered there in the book of Acts. God, I pray that you would be with us, that your spirit would be here. I know Jesus said, wherever two or more are gathered in, in my name, there I am. And I pray for those who are getting together uh, over the next week to talk about the future of our churches and our fellowship and our unity and uh, how we can dream and plan for the future and uh, pass on uh, our faith to the next generation and all of that. God, I just really pray for a spirit of unity, a spirit of faith. Uh, God, I pray that you would give us zeal and boldness, uh, just as they prayed in the book of Acts. God, we pray that you would enable us to speak your word boldly. Uh, be with our hearts as we look into the book of Acts right now. Help us to kind of let go of other distractions. <clears throat> I know myself, I've got a lot of stuff going on, different distractions in my mind. Help me to focus right now as we read in Acts 2, and uh, help us to get a lot out of, of looking at that text. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Something I forgot to mention last week about Luke. Um, he is, uh, here's a picture of Luke uh, on the screen. I'm sure he looks exactly like that. But um, uh, Luke, uh, I mentioned that, you know, uh, it, it's debated by scholars if Luke, the person that we read about in Colossians 4, the doctor, if he's the one that wrote it. But it's a very early tradition that he wrote both Luke and Acts. And uh, another way that you can kind of try to figure that out, or people have figured it out, is if you read through Acts, you'll notice when you get to about Acts 20, 
suddenly the narrative starts saying we. You guys noticed that before? So it, all before it's talking about Paul and his companions, or they did this and they did that. And then all of a sudden it says we did this and we did that. And, it, and it, through Acts 20 through the end, it goes back and forth between we and, then, and them. And so you can kind of trace whoever this is speaking, now they're a part of the action. And uh, so that, that's where people have connected that with through looking at different letters Paul wrote. Because you probably know this, but I'll, I'll say it anyway. When you read through the book of Acts, a lot of that time period that's covered in the book of Acts is when Paul is writing these other letters. So the, if you look in, in your New Testament, you have the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those are all the accounts of Jesus. Then we have Acts. That's the only account we have of the early church in that sort of time period. Um, and then you have these letters of Paul and other, other writers. Ma most of them are Paul. So when you have the book of Romans, that's a letter Paul wrote to the disciples in Rome. When you have the book of Ephesians, that's a letter Paul wrote to the disciples in Ephesus. But those letters, a lot of them, most of them, were written during the time period covered by Acts. Does that make sense? So you can, there, you can follow a chronological Bible that will do its best to kind of go back and forth between the two. And it's kind of interesting. You get a lot more out of that. Uh, but when you do that, that helps give more support for the idea of, of, of this Luke and Acts, because it doesn't claim who wrote it internally. The text doesn't say who wrote it. But that gives more credence to the idea that this person, Luke, the doctor, may have been the one that, that wrote the book of Acts. And, and those we passages are really cool. So I forgot to mention that last week. So let's, uh, let's look at Acts 2, where we kind of left off. We didn't get to the end of Acts 1. Uh, it's an important point that uh, they wanted to make sure that they had 12 apostles, you kind of ask yourself, why? Why does it matter if there's 12 apostles? I think it's because they realize what they're a part of was historic, and it connects to the Old Testament. Remember in the Old Testament, there was 12 tribes of Israel. And so there's this idea that now the church is fulfilling what God always dreamed for Israel. And so they wanted to make sure they had, had proper representation. So they chose someone to replace Judas there in the end of Acts. And then they're all gathered together, it says in verse 2, when the, uh, verse 1 of chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. So this is talking about the apostles we just read about, that they picked one more to make sure they had 12. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Tongues just means languages. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, Aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of uh, Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? So just stopping, pausing for one second, just to kind of give a little clarity. So Jews had been scattered all over the Roman Empire. We, we talked about that a little last week. During that time in between the Testaments, uh, kind of leading up to the first century, there was Jews all throughout the Roman Empire, known as the diaspora, if you ever, ever hear that term in, you know, in 
uh, college or something. That's the, that's the Jews that were scattered. And so these, they, they still had these traditions in these times of years where they would all come together for certain festivals, and they would, it would be a, a big family get-together. Pentecost was one of those times. It was in the fall. Uh, it was a celebration of, uh, of harvest, and they all come together to, to, to celebrate this festival, and they're, they're traveling from these different regions. If you remember the map I put up last week and all those cities that I had to memorize, I, I actually did a good job. I think I got 100%. So thanks for praying for me. Somebody asked me. Uh, but th- those are all the cities that are mentioned here, plus others. But, you know, Phrygia and Pamphylia, and some, some are areas and some are cities. But these are all these places where all these Jews were from. And they were, uh, you know, they were from their own culture, and yet they were still Jewish. So they had kind of a layered citizenship. As, and we'll talk more about that in a minute, that idea of dual citizenship. So they, they spoke Aramaic, a lot of them, uh, which was the, what Jews spoke at that time. Uh, but they also had their own language. They were, you know, they kind of were, were bilingual. And so they come together because there's this sound of a violent wind. And if you ever heard a violent wind, it, it's really impacting. And this is a fulfillment of what Jesus had said, is that he, he had told them, stay in the city and you will get clothed with power from on high. And so we see that fulfilled as the Holy Spirit is poured out, as we're going to talk about in a minute. And, and it causes a, a physical manifestation of power. There's the sound of a violent wind, there, what seems to be tongues of fire that's like landing on each head of each apostle. And, you know, it, it would have been a crazy scene to, to, to behold. And the sound is so loud that it causes the whole town to come together because they all hear the sound. Have you ever heard like a really loud sound in your neighborhood? You know how that is. You know, you're looking out your window and uh, you know, we thought we, we heard gunfire the other night, you know, we're like, what is was that a gun? What was that a car backfire? What was that? You know, people are looking out. Uh, we still don't know what it was, but you know, you, 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 so it was kind of that kind of thing where there's this loud sound and all these people come together. Thousands, in fact, of people come together because of the sound. Okay, let's keep reading. Verse 13, some of them, some however, made fun of them, the apostles, and said, oh, they've had too much wine because they're, they, they seem to be you know, speaking all these different language, languages and what's going on. And, uh, then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Amen, old men? Amen, old men out there? (laughs) Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So all that is a quote from the book of Joel. And we'll talk a little bit more about what Peter was saying with that. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, but you with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. 
And then he makes an argument from the Old Testament about uh, why, how it was always God's plan for Jesus to raise from the dead. And, and, and we don't have time to read it all, but skip down to verse 36. It says, Therefore let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. So we're going to talk about three things from this passage, and there's a lot more we could talk about, but we're going to talk about number one, kingdom, number two, spirit, and number three, baptism. Uh, those three things. You can throw that slide up there, Sherwin. Follow along there. Awesome. Uh, so we're going to talk about those three things. So first of all, kingdom. So Peter gets up and says, this isn't, you know, a big wild party that's happening or some, some odd occurrence. This is a fulfillment of Scripture. What's happening right now is a fulfillment of Scripture. And he quotes this Joel prophecy about the coming day of the Lord. And he's connecting what's happening there in Acts 2 with the last days, with God's final push to save mankind. And with all of these, there's many, many prophecies in the Old Testament that talk about these days, these last days and what it would be like. A lot of them are kind of like this Joel passage. It might sound weird to you, like, what is this? The moon will turn to blood, and the sun will turn to darkness, and, and blood and fire and billows of smoke, and this sounds crazy. This is what's called apocalyptic imagery. It's, it's uh, the imagery of, 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 of God doing something, of shaking the earth. And a lot of times it's this vivid, vivid language that's used, and Peter is saying that is happening right now. There's many other prophecies in the Old Testament that we see all kind of coming together at this point. Daniel, Daniel mentions in Daniel 7 uh, and also da Daniel chapter 2 and Daniel chapter 7 these different empires that would, would reign on the earth. And he talks about there being, uh, you know, at the time of Babylon, that's when Daniel lived, he said, after you will come another empire, which we know that happened, and that was the Medo-Persian empire. And then another empire, and that would be the Greeks. And the book of Daniel really uh, gives in detail what the Greek empire would be like. And then the Roman empire. And he says this, this empire in Rome will, will be like iron. It'll smash everything and, and bring all these other kingdoms to an end. But it'll be partly weak and partly brittle. You guys remember that? Uh, some of you reading that? Acts 7. And that's how the Roman empire was. It spread and, 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 and was expansive. And yet there was parts of the empire that were fractured and broken and weak. And, and Daniel says at the time of those kings, the time of the Roman Empire, God will establish a kingdom that will never be destroyed, nor will it be left to another people, but it will be possessed by the saints. And so Peter is saying that is the fulfillment. We are seeing all of that happening right now. And, you know, in, in some ways it's kind of like, you know, it, 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 it might not be the, the way that we think of empire, the way that we think of kingdom, or a humanistic way of, seeing, of, of bringing in a new, uh, a, a new uh, age, but this is the way God chose to do it. It was with a pouring out of his Holy Spirit, and it was with a, a, a spiritual kingdom. And so that's why Jesus continually was talking about the kingdom of God. In Acts 1, it says, those last 40 days he had on earth, what did he speak about? The kingdom of God, it says in Acts 1. 
and so many of his, his stories and so many of his parables, he says, the kingdom of God is like this, the kingdom of God is like that. The values in the kingdom of God are different. They're, they're upside down. The first will be last. The last will be first. The humble will be lifted up. The exalted will be lifted da- brought down. You know, he talks about a kingdom that's upside down. It's inside out, uh, as we talked about last week. It's, it's wide open. It's for everyone. It's a different kind of kingdom that Jesus uh, brought about. And so what does that mean for us today? We are still living in the last days. Jesus has not yet returned. And so even though the, you get the idea that the, 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 the people, writers of the first, uh, in the first century in the, in the New Testament were, were expecting Jesus to come back like really soon. You get that idea. Uh, and yet towards the end, like some of the later passages, 2 Peter was written, uh, was one of the last books to be written of the New Testament. And Peter addresses this. He says many people are saying, where is this coming, Jesus promised. And what he says is interesting, and I think it still applies today for us. He says, don't you realize that the Lord's patience means salvation? And, and, and Peter says, what do, you, what do you know about God's timing? With God, a thousand, days are like, a thousand years are like a day, and a day is like a thousand years. He quotes an Old Testament passage. And so, so, so and Peter's saying, God's timetable is different. Yeah, we thought it would be right away, but maybe God has a different plan. And now here we are. Ironically, 2,000 years later, two of God days later, and Jesus still hasn't returned. And I don't know when he's coming back, I, but I know he is coming back. You know, I know he is reigning and he is ruling. And there have been dark periods through history. And yet people say, well, those are the times when God was rearranging the deck. You know, sometimes the, the curtains close on a play and you're like, what happened? And then the, the, it opens again and you see everything's been rearranged. That's what God does during the dark times. And God is still working, and Jesus is still reigning. And so as men and women of the kingdom of God, we need to, uh, to live in that uh, expectation of Jesus' return. It could be tonight, it could be tomorrow, or it could be another thousand years. I don't know. Uh, it seems like God is working in a lot of ways in our uh, society, if you think about the crazy things nowadays going on. And, uh, you know, and yet there's been other generations, they thought the same thing. I mean, imagine being around during the World War II uh, period and what Hitler was doing and and all of that you'd be like wow Jesus surely is going to come back any minute this is crazy you know so every generation has things they can go wow this is crazy you know look at these fires and look at these uh, earthquakes and look at all this Jesus is coming back and many people have said oh he's coming back on October 14th I promise you it's you know whatever anybody that says that you know not to believe because Jesus said Jesus said even he didn't know when only the father knew Jesus said but so as we are waiting in an expectation, we need to have this dual citizenship that I talked about earlier, that we are not just Americans or we are not just citizens of whatever country you may come from, but we are citizens of the kingdom of God. And that's what gives us uh, the camaraderie with each other and the connection with each other. Have you ever been uh, in another, well, maybe some of you might be from another country and you, you know, you've come here and you're an immigrant. When you meet someone from your own country, how do you feel? Yeah, you're like, oh, you hug each other, oh, wow, we have this connection, you're talking about where you're from, and you've seen it happen, you said, so, you know, and I know for me, when I've been in another country, which hasn't happened many times, but, and I meet another American, there's just immediately this connection, like, wow, we're here, can you believe this, and this is crazy, and that's crazy, and what about this, and what about that, that's how we are as citizens of the kingdom of God, we're different, we're here, but we're different, 
And so when we connect with each other, it's like, oh, yeah, you know, it's, it should be that same kind of feeling with each other. And I want to ask you, you know, are you holding on to kingdom values? Are you seeking first the kingdom? Are you giving your best to the kingdom of God? There's nothing more important on earth than the kingdom of God. And, and Satan wants us to kind of uh, get off track or, or give our best to the worldly kingdoms. And when I say worldly kingdoms, I mean, you know, power, money, success, the, 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 the institutions of power that are here on this earth that are appealing. You know, you can get results on your job if you, if you work hard and you're a disciple and you get accolades from that, but that shouldn't be what drives you. You know, you should keep coming back to kingdom first, kingdom first. I want to seek the kingdom first. Uh, you know, lately I was thinking about this myself um, as far as kingdom values, and this, this is a confession, is that I'm not doing very well on our freeways lately. Um, and I'm going to, uh, well, it's actually worse probably through the neighborhoods, uh, you know, trying to Lincoln Boulevard. That's like my nemesis. <laughs> but I'm, I'm trying to, you know, go to, uh, school in, at Pepperdine twice a week and uh, in the past I've had evening classes and stuff but this semester I have two two classes during the day it's 12 to 2 on Tuesday and Thursday so both I mean on Monday and Thursday so both Monday and Thursday I'm trying to get through the west side and through you know all, Santa Monica and Marina del Rey and over into Malibu take a two-hour class there's no parking anywhere on campus so you gotta you know half an hour to get to class on campus then get back and I'm not doing that well. I, I'm, I'm sinning, you know. I, I called someone at a-hole, you know, and, but I, I think I said the real word. Uh, I mean, they didn't hear me say it, but I said it in my car, you know. I think that's probably happened twice. I, you know, I'm smiling, but it's not good. It's bad. Uh, because I just get so tense, and everybody's just like, it's just like gnashing of teeth, you know what I mean? I'm like fighting for the, their lane and, ah, you know, just, and so I'm like, God, help me to, help me to have kingdom values, <laughs> you know? <laughs> go ahead, go ahead, you know, cut me off, go ahead, take this line. Oh, okay, go ahead, you, want, you go first, you know? So if you think about it, uh, on Monday and, and Thursday, say a quick prayer for me <laughs> in traffic. Okay, second thing I want to talk about is the Spirit. Uh, Jesus said that there would be a time, he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Bapti the word baptism, it's, it's kind of been uh, religiousized, but it was not a religious word initially. It just means immerse, baptizo, to immerse to, or to plunge. So you will be plunged or you will be immersed with the Holy Spirit, Jesus said. And, and, and here, uh, Peter connects what's happening to the pouring out of God's Spirit. That in these last days, God promised that he would pour out his Spirit. So what we're, what we're witnessing here in Acts 2 is both a pouring out and a baptism of the Holy Spirit. How is that possible? Well, if you think of a coin in a little saucer and you pour out water on top of it, what happens to the coin? It gets baptized in the water, right? It's, it's immersed. So G God is, pour from his perspective, he's pouring out his Spirit from the apostles' perspective, it, they're, getting, they're getting plunged into the Holy Spirit. And, and, and this baptism of the Holy Spirit, is, is some, it's a term that you hear sometimes in, in religious circles nowadays, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, because that is a, a term in the Bible. But, uh, and I don't have time to do a big study on that right now, but there are a lot of great books written about that. What, what we believe is that this is 
what we're witnessing here in Acts 2, that's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And that really only happened two times in the book of Acts. It's here and in Acts 10 with Cornelius. And, and, and the same thing happens where they're able to speak in other languages. And, and there's this, this mystical, you know, crazy thing happening where it's like there's no other explanation except the Holy Spirit of, of what God's doing. That's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. There's also three, uh, two other ways we see the Spirit of God work. Uh, another is the gifts of the miraculous, uh, miraculous gifts of the Holy Spirit, and that we'll see through the book of Acts, which is when the apostles had this ability where they could lay their hands on someone and they would have the, the gift of healing or the gift of speaking in other languages or the gift of, uh, you know, uh, of prophecy. Or, and, and, and this was a, 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 to be a sign. They didn't have the written word. Uh, they're speaking mostly to Jews. They, they want some kind of, they're looking for some kind of, uh, back up what's the evidence that this is really god so they just as in the old testament there would be signs that would accompany prophecy and and, and the truth that there was these signs that accompanied the 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 message early on it, it it seems from all accounts that those miraculous gifts of the holy spirit were only given by the apostles laying on of hands so when the apostles passed away that 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 ability to lay your hands on someone and give them this miraculous gift also passed away now, I'm not saying miracles don't happen. Miracles do happen by God's spirit, but not in the same way of, you know, oh, I have the gift of healing. So come over here and I'm going to, this is my special gift. Like people would be designated to have certain gifts that were miraculous. We don't have the miraculous gifts today, but we have different other gifts, the Bible says. So there's other like lists. You can trace the list of gifts in the Bible. So the earlier in the uh, New Testament period, they would describe the miraculous gifts. Later, it would just be the kind of non-miraculous gifts, like the gift of serving, the gift of showing mercy. Like in, in Romans uh, 12, it lists different gifts, but it doesn't list the miraculous ones. Does that make sense? I don't have time to really get into that, and that's a whole thorough study to try to understand the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You could take a whole course in that, but, but I, but I want to mention that. And then the third uh, way that we see the Holy Spirit is what, what Peter says here in Acts 2.38. He says, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit living in you as a Christian to guide you. Paul says in Rome, in Romans, that if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. So that's part of being a disciple. Part of being a follower of Jesus is that you have the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is given at baptism, uh, according to this verse, that when we're baptized, we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And that Spirit is there to guide us, to, to lead us, to direct us. Uh, he is, um, he is working in the world in all kinds of ways, but he works specifically in our hearts and in our lives. And understanding the Trinity, understanding, you know, Father, Son, Holy Spirit is also a tough thing to understand. And again, huge books and volumes and courses. And it, this was a big debate of the, you know, around the 300s and 400s in, in, in the, the church. They, they debated how do these three work together. You can never really understand it, but I'm going to give you what I told my kids when they were little, okay? This is, helps me to understand it, is the Sonic the Hedgehog analogy, okay? So my kids played Sonic the Hedgehog, or this was Jameson, I guess, mostly at this time. You guys know Sonic the Hedgehog? It's just one of those dumb, you know, little games you play. It was on a Game Boy or something. So it was like, okay, well, so how did God, Father, Son, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, how does this work? So, okay, you have your game, Sonic the Hedgehog. Imagine you were the person that created that game. You made all the code. You designed the whole thing. You knew how it all, all worked. Uh, and then you decided you wanted to enter the world of that game. 
you would become a character in that game. It would still be you, but it would be within the boundaries of the game. And now you're a character in the game, but you're still you. Does that make sense? That's like the father's son. The father is the creator of all things. He's outside of space and time. He's outside of material things. Uh, and yet he entered the material world. He entered our domain. He entered as a human being. And he was completely human. He was bound by human frailties in a way like he was hungry and he got tired and uh you know he he didn't you know he was all knowing in the sense that he would know maybe what you were thinking but he didn't hear every prayer of every human on the earth at the same time you know like god is all he's outside of space and time jesus was a human being with a human brain and does that make sense so he it's like the it's like entering the world of sonic the hedgehog as a character okay so then imagine that you're in the world, you know, you're in the world of Sonic, and then you see things appear out of nowhere, or you see different things happening, who's controlling that, or who's doing that, and God is controlling these different things, that's like the Holy Spirit at work in the world, you know, Jesus said, it's like, you, you hear the sound of the wind, and you see what it's doing, but you can't see the wind itself, that's how the Holy Spirit works in our world, is it, he's doing things, he's, mo he's moving things, and he is controlling people if we let him, so it's like allowing yourself, if you're in, in the game, to be controlled by someone else. You're allowing the Spirit to guide us. So that's where Paul talks about being in step with the Spirit. Let us listen to the Spirit. Let us allow Him to guide us, not the world. We have these battling things. You can listen to your flesh, or you can listen to, to the Spirit. And so that's the choice that we have. And that's just a little bit on the Spirit. Uh, it's a super important topic, and, and we'll, we'll talk more about it. But, but the, the, the good thing is that we have a guide. You know, we, we have someone to help us. We have someone to lead us. My wife is an amazing uh, guide with our kids in terms of their homework. She helps guide them through. And, you know, all of our kids, she's helped them with their math. Even Marshall, who's really good at math, Dessa's really helped him out with math. And, uh, like, I remember last semester he was trying to do some pre-calculus. And, uh, you know, he was having trouble. And they were both trying to figure it out. But it's interesting because the cool thing was you could look in the back of the book and see what the answer is and go, okay, so how do we get to that, you know? And then they're trying to figure out the pathway to it. And it just made me think about the Christian life. Like, we know our final destination. We know God is coming back. We know he's going to win. We know we want to go to heaven. But I don't know exactly how we're going to get there, you know? So that's where you're looking for the Spirit to guide you along the way. All right, last, last thing we're going to talk about, baptism. So it says... Uh, uh, they're convicted, they're cut to the heart, it says. And so they say, Peter, what do we do? What is our response to this message that Jesus is both Lord and Messiah? How do we respond to that? Peter's uh, response is repent, which means change of mindset, change of worldview. Metanoia is the Greek term there. So whatever, you know, whatever your mindset was before, this worldly, uh, materialistic, uh, mindset now you need to change and have a kingdom mindset the other direction have this repentance uh, change of life change of mind and be baptized be immersed in water for the forgiveness of your sins in the name of the father son and the holy spirit for the purpose of your sins being forgiven and getting the gift of the holy spirit and he's clear that this is not just for you right this is 39 uh, the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. So if we're in Tibet today and we find somebody and we tell them the word about Jesus and that Jesus was Lord and, and Messiah, he was God in the flesh and he rose from the dead, the prom is the promise for that person? Yes. 
Yes. Would you say Tibet is far off? I would say yes. You know, <laughs> this is someone God calls. Then it's still that still that same promise of repentance and forgiveness, uh, repentance and baptism for the forgiveness of our sins. And and this is something that a lot of different church groups have kind of tried to water down. There's a, there's a reason behind that. There's kind of an overreaction to, uh, you know, the the church as a whole got super off track into being really uh, ceremonial. And like everything is about doing the right things. And now you're OK, you're forgiven because you said that prayer five times and you did that penance and whatever. And now you're OK. You know, what I mean, it got way off track into deeds. And so but but as a as a people group, as human beings, we swung the pendulum over here to say, well, no, you don't need to do anything. You don't need to say anything. There's nothing you could possibly do. It's only God working in you. Whereas really it's it's both. It's both God's grace. It's God working. But there is still something we do. Right? If there wasn't anything we do, why would Peter say in verse 40, with many other words, he warned them and pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. If it were true, there is absolutely no way you can respond. Why would Peter say save yourselves? I'm not saying we save ourselves. I don't think Peter meant that. He meant respond. Respond to God's grace. Why fight against God? Why try to follow what the world follows when, when there's this amazing kingdom of God? And, you know, surrender. Uh, have your sins forgiven. Live instead for God. And 3,000 people were baptized. And so baptism is kind of like a, a, a wedding ceremony where everything comes together. Uh, it, it's like, you know, there, there's the relationship that a couple develops with each other and, and they, they uh, you know, they, they grow in their relationship, but that wedding ceremony is where, at that point, they become man and wife. So that's how baptism works. It's at that point that you're saying, I'm pledging my life to God. First uh, Peter describes it as a pledge of a clean conscience towards God, that you're, you're, you're going to live now for God and not for yourself. But I think that, that Peter's warning uh, still stands, and I'll close with this. Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. You know, if you have not become a Christian yet, I think Peter would be warning you and pleading with you. We don't know when Jesus is coming back. And this, corrupt, this generation is corrupt. Don't allow yourself to get caught up in it. For those of you who've been around for a long time, don't let yourself get caught up again in worldly pursuits or a worldly mindset. Be devoted to the kingdom of God. There, there's an analogy that Francis Chan uses of a toilet bowl. And he said, you know, the toilet bowl, it's kind of like, at the, t at the beginning, you're just kind of moving around just a little bit, just kind of caught up in the world a little bit. But then you get more and more caught up, and then you're just, and then you're about to get flushed out at the bottom. Don't allow that to happen to you, you know. Step out of the toilet bowl, you know. Uh, don't get flushed. Uh, get dunked instead, amen. Get, uh, so, uh, but even even in the, in the news this week, you know, I, I, I don't know. I don't want to be political or, or, or anything. I know there's different people that have really strong opinions, but even just watching the, the emotions that people have had this week uh, with, with, with Ford and her testimony, with, with women all over the world responding to that. I mean, I, I, I saw that interaction with, with this woman and, and Senator Flake in the elevator, and it just, my, my heart was just broken about this woman and what she'd been through. You know what I mean? Like, you can't help but just be moved by that. Uh, the experiences that people have had because of sin, because of drunkenness, because of teenage partying, you know, because of what the kids say is so cool at your school. And I remember feeling like that, like, I can't be popular unless I go to these parties. 
And I just had to decide, okay, I'm not going to be popular there. But because of what happens at those parties, people are still, I mean, they're in their 60s or whatever, and they're still fractured and broken because of something that happened as a sophomore or junior. This is a corrupt generation that we're in. And, uh, and God provides us the kingdom as a way out uh, of the toilet bowl. Amen. Uh, we're going to uh, uh, be able to have another South Bay story right now. And uh, that is going to be, last week was uh, Sandy Rutherford. This week is going to be Brian Catano. Come on down, Brian. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit and then uh, have uh, communion together. I'm going to grab that stool. I heard I need to use this mic instead of my lab, so I will turn this one off. Oh, here, use that one. We're going to trade, guys, because this one has more leeches. Okay, so um, I, I, I asked Brian. Brian's an amazing servant, as many of you know. But the idea of this, uh, of this segment that we're doing with the series is to, to help us to connect more with each other. And, and this, you know, in the book of Acts, you read these things of what the church was doing, but then you have these snapshots of people in their lives and their conversions and, and who they were. And it just makes it really real. And so uh, I think for people who are new to the church, it helps to kind of hear, you know, flesh and bone stories of, uh, of what people have been through. And Brian is, is a, 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 an interesting one because he, you know, as, as you're going to see, there's, there's different ways that he connects to di many different parts of our church. So, so Brian, first of all, just give us a little uh, uh, background of how did you become a Christian? I mean, that's a huge, huge question, but uh, in a few sentences, you know, how did you get introduced to the church? It was campus ministry, right? Yeah, I was going to DeVry up in Long Beach, um, and there's a whole other story of how that happened, but I had a guy that we, I started school with that he eventually got reached out to by a brother named Mike Lang, um, and then we were friends for like the first full year. He eventually reached out to me. At first I wasn't really receptive to it because I kind of grew up very agnostic, atheist, not really kind of, you know, we'd gone to church when I was really young, but my family kind of stopped going from there and, you know, I just kind of never really pursued God. But during the course of the studies, you know, I was kind of fighting it a little bit. And then I saw, just kind of saw Satan working in a lot of ways. And so it really kind of you know, woke like me in up. Your, in in your own heart, you mean? Or in your family? or in Well, in me or? As, as well as like with my friends. Like there was a time where I just kind of like, you know what, I don't want to do the studies anymore. I'm kind of done with it. And then I was hanging out with my friends and it just, it felt wrong. It felt like just everything that was happening, you know, they weren't doing anything like overtly sinful, but just the way they were acting, the way they were talking, suddenly just didn't feel right. Like something felt just off. And so that's when I kind of like, you know what, I, I need to go after God, you know, because there's something there there's definitely the spirit was talking in my heart telling me like, you know, this is what you need to do. You know, as much as your nature wants to fight it, you know, you just got to go for it. Yeah. So what you said you were agnostic and uh, kind of atheist, which I, I don't think I realized. So what what was the point that you really felt like God became real to you? It was actually at a campus retreat, um, second event I'd ever been to a church um, down in San Diego. And it was actually Marco Palazzari doing a lesson. And I don't remember the full length of the lesson because this was like 20 years ago, but there was a line in there that he said that really kind of stuck with me. You know, he said that like Satan will give you enough rope to kind of just do what you want. And then when he, whatever he's ready, yank it right back. Hmm. You know, so just kind of that concept of like, we feel like we have freedom. We feel like we're doing everything right. We feel like, you know, our lives are great. 
until suddenly it all falls apart. Right. You know, it's almost like Psalm 73 where it's like, you know, oh, yeah, the, you look at the, the wicked and they look great and they're successful and, you know, like great cars and tons of money. But then you look at them and they're just, you know, most yeah. of the time dead inside or feel like something's missing or feel like, you know, I've got all this great success, but I still don't feel like I'm succeeding. Gotcha. Kind of thing. So you feel like you, you witnessed, like, even what, what, what <coughs> Satan told Jesus, he said, you know, I have this authority over these kingdoms. You know, all, all the kingdoms of the world have been given to me. I can give power to whoever I choose. And, and, and so Satan will do that. He'll give power to people. But then that same power or that same will just, like, crush them and eat them alive. And you've seen that happen with other people. And so that really resonated with you. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's cool. the kind of thing where, you know, you, you feel like you're in control, but then ultimately, you know, you're not. And, you know, you don't realize that until you really start seeking after God and seeing you know, what he truly offers. That's cool. It's amazing how, you know, you, we have these moments in our lives, right, where we remember so well. I'm sure Marco doesn't remember that lesson or probably even that retreat, you know, but uh, it's, that's really so cool. So um, I know you've been serving in the tech ministry here, and if you don't know, Brian does, mixes our sound out there uh, for all of you guys, and uh, he comes super early every, he's, you know, first person to get here every week about 8 o'clock or 7.45, the last person to leave at, you know, probably 1.30 or something. And, uh, so it serves. Uh, but, but what keeps you doing that, Brian? And why would you do that? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, tech is an interesting ministry because, you know, I, I feel like a lot of people look at it as this big, scary monster that you got to, like, be super tech savvy and know all this crazy stuff. But that's part of it. But I think at the same time, you know, it, it's, it's something where you're, you're kind of serving behind the scenes, you know, and it, it's a lot of what, you know, Jesus talked about and like, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, mm. you know, and not doing things to, you know, get the praise or get the accolades, but, you know, just to serve and, and use whatever talents you've been given, you know, and I, th I think it was years ago, something you said, where he says, you know, like, tech is the kind of mi ministry where, you know, you know that everything's going right when no one's saying anything, yeah. or no one's complaining, right, because right. like, when things are feeding back and nothing's working, everybody's looking at you like, what's going on, you know, <laughs> But then when everything runs smooth, they're just like, well, that's how it's supposed to be. Yeah. You know? You're but doing your duty. <laughs> so, I mean, and the cool thing about tech is that, you know, there's a lot of stuff that we do that's fairly repetitive. So, you know, for anybody out there that has thought of, like, possibly helping out, but like, ah, oh, it's scary. I don't know technology. You know, there's a lot of things that we can do that's just repetitive and, you know, happen. You know, I, we could teach anybody how to do some of the stuff that we do, you know? So it's, it's very easy to do, you know, set up a mic stand, run a cable. You know, none of that stuff is difficult. It just takes a few weeks of kind of figuring it out. Yeah. And there's a real camaraderie with the group, too. I, I yeah. you know, I'm able to witness it. And I'm not exactly a part of it, but I get to hang around the guys. And, but they have such a camaraderie, you know, uh, and, and it's a real family. Um, so, yeah, if you are looking for ways to serve, uh, they'll, they'll train anybody. Oh, yeah. right? They'll train anybody. Just yeah, we have our bumps for time to time. Talk to Brian or Ben. <laughs> Yeah, there's, I mean, there's tension. You're, you're in the battle together, but it, it bonds you just like, oh, yeah. you know, being in the, in the battle together. Uh, I know you've also served in youth ministry a lot, and, uh, you know, um, our son Marshall, who's uh, 17, has been mentored by Brian for, what, five years maybe? Something like that, Something yeah. like that. Um, so, uh, and he served in junior high and teen ministry, but um, what, 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 what uh, if, if anybody out here is interested in, in serving in, in mentoring a kid or, uh, or serving in youth ministry, what would you say about that? Or what, 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 how has God blessed you through doing that? Um, the youth ministry definitely can be incredibly encouraging, but at the same time a little frustrating. 
you know, it depends on kind of what age you're getting at. Like the preteens and junior high can be a unique situation because a lot of the kids are going through a very unique time in their life. You know, they're kind of figuring themselves out, you know, and they don't know if they want to serve God or if they want to just kind of explore life. So a lot of times, you know, it just helps really being, you know, there for them, talking with them. You know, sometimes you even have to draw them out. I mean, I've, I've worked with many kids where it's like, how's your day? Good. You know, yeah. how, how did school go? Fine. You, know, <laughs> you have to just That's drag stuff. That's not Marshall, stuff. though. No, 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 no. <laughs> Marshall's very different. Um, but I think the, the main thing in working with youth across the board is consistency. Yeah. You know, because it starts to kind of build a level of trust in them because they may look at you as like, oh, you're just this person that's older than me that thinks they know everything. I, I think I know everything. But, you know, it just as you build that trust and that camaraderie and that connection, you know, then they start kind of listening to what you're saying and they start asking a little more, engaging a little bit more. Yeah. So the first couple of months, maybe even a year, depending on the kid, might be rough and it might be kind of feel like pulling teeth. But if you stay in there, you keep, you know, working with them, keep praying with them eventually they will start opening up. You know, eventually yeah. they will start kind of sharing a little bit more. I appreciate that a lot, and I appreciate your example of, of being really consistent. I mean, Brian, Brian gets with Mark Marshall most weeks. I mean, not even, when we first asked him, we were like, could you get with them once a month or every couple of weeks? And they, they've been getting together every week for a long time. Pretty, most weeks they get together, so I really appreciate the consistency. And what I hear you saying is, uh, just hang in there if, you're, if you want to have an impact on a kid. It's not even sometimes maybe the, the like the, the exchange of information like scriptural information it's just being together right mm -hmm. it's just your example yeah i think about you know i grew up in the church and i think about people that had an impact on me it might have been playing basketball together or just going to the mall together you know it's not like okay i have to show them you know the book of first timothy you know like that's cool <laughs> but but uh but it's just being together right? oh, yeah. spending time together so that, that's awesome well really appreciate that brian and um i wanted to see if uh, i'm going to say one more thing for uh, kind of frame it, but would you pray, pray for communion for us here? Sure. So um, kind of one thought for us here as we take communion is, um, you know, when it says that they were cut to the heart in, uh, in verse uh, 37, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? If you're a disciple and, uh, and, and as we take communion, you remember there is some point that really cut you to the heart. Brian shared about kind of that one moment for him when he's like, wow, God really is real, and, 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 and it stirred something in him. So I want you to remember back, what was it that cut you to the heart? Uh, maybe it was a study that someone did with you. Maybe it was a, something that happened in your life. But let's remember what, what brought us to this, this point that they were at of repentance and, uh, and, and reflect on that, remembering what God has done, remember what Jesus has done. And, and it, might, it might be a time to kind of recommit uh, to that commitment that we made to, to reconnect with Jesus uh, during this time of communion. So if you'd pray for us, Brian. Sure. Father in heaven, God, we are so grateful for this uh, opportunity to be here. Father, to be part of your kingdom, God, to have been called and to uh, have answered the, uh, the call of baptism, God. And we just are so blessed uh, to have your spirit within us, to have it guide us and show us the way, uh, to, to call us out when, uh, when sin tries to take over, to uh, show us the way uh, when we feel lost or when we feel overwhelmed, and even to have our brothers and sisters by our sides, to uh, give us advice, to guide us, to you know, challenge us when, we, when we're not thinking the right way or we're not uh, doing the right thing. And uh, we just thank you and praise you. Thank you for Jesus and his example, uh, for him coming down to be uh, human like us, to deal with all the challenges that we deal with, uh, and the struggles, 
And as the Bible said, he was tempted in every way, yet, uh, God, he was able to resist sin. So uh, through the Spirit, uh, Father, we should definitely be able to follow his example uh, and really just fight against uh, all the worldly temptations. And we thank you for the blessing of this time. We thank you for uh, just allowing us to be here. Uh, we thank you for someday being able to be in heaven. And uh, God, give us the strength to focus all of our energy on Jesus, to follow his example, and to honor him through our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the South Bay Church Podcast. For other sermons, videos, upcoming events, and more about our church, please visit southbaychurch.us. 